Man, kids are silly. Uh, if you have your Bible, please open it to uh, Philippians. Paul's letter to the Philippians, we're in chapter 2. <clears throat> and here, uh, the Apostle Paul has uh, written this letter to friends of his in the Philippian church. And uh, he's pretty stoked about how they're doing. And uh, he's pretty pumped about the fact that they're loving on each other well. And, and they've been doing really good. But you guys know, just like, just like I know, that sometimes we forget some basics that are really important for us. And so he's just kind of saying, I love you guys. You're awesome. You've been with me through a lot. I'm in prison now. Please don't stop loving on me and praying for me. But I have some things I want you all to be mindful of. So he, he opens up his heart a little bit to them and just reminds them about what their common goal and common purpose is. I'm starting in chapter 2 of Philippians. He says, so guys... If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Holy Spirit, any affection and sympathy, then complete my joy by being of one mind, your version may say of same mind, having the same love and being in full accord of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility Count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Your version may say, have the same mind in you as, in, as that in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But rather he made himself nothing. Your version may say he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant or slave. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, for this reason, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And then he says this. For this reason, for everything that he has just said, for all of these things, he says, My beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence when I was around you, but even much more now that I'm not with you, I would like for you to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But you see, it is God who works in you, both to will, your version may say desire, and to work for his good pleasure. This is the word of God for the people of God. And all God's people said, thanks be to, thanks be to God. Awesome. Um, I love a lot of things in this world. Uh, but one of the things I love the most besides my family and my walk with God and the people he has called me to is guitar and playing music. But 
for those of you guys that know me really well, that is really not my first hobby and really not the thing that I really cling to more than anything else. The thing I really cling to more than anything else is rock climbing. Any rock climbers out there? Great, there will be after today. We'll go. Um, but, I, you know, and some of y'all might think he's insane. Uh, you're right. Uh, but I love rock climbing. I absolutely love it. And uh, when I was in college, that's kind of what I did. You know, I kind of studied on the side and... The majority of my week was spent out in the mountains, in the woods, trying to find the next thing that would just really push my limits. And uh, the neat thing about climbing, and it is this way in certain sports, is because of the nature of what it is and because of the way that God has created the things that you climb out there, you could have a very easy climb right next to a very difficult climb. You could have the world's easiest climb and the world's hardest climb very close to one another. What this does is this means that you get to rub shoulders with people in the game that are very good and have, have done this very well and have worked very hard at it. That's really important. That's really important. I was in Rifle, Colorado. If none of you guys have ever been to Rifle, Colorado, you need to make a trip. If you blink, you'll miss it. It's in between Glenwood Springs and Grand Junction. You better be wearing Wranglers and a hat when you go there. All right? I'm dead serious. I was belaying some guy out of, the, out, out, out of the little spot right there and... I sit there, he's about 200 feet up for the rock, and I look over to my side, and there's a herd of cattle coming up the road. It's just for the picture, all right? But it was still beautiful, beautiful rock. And so you're in this canyon, and, uh, and as we're in this canyon, uh, we had been training for a couple weeks, a friend of mine, and his name was Greg. And Greg was really good. Uh, he was trying to break into the pro circuit for, for rock climbing, which you make no money at, but it's still awesome. And, uh, and Greg was all about lovingly helping people to push their limits. And so we would go out one day, and he, he, could, he could tell that I had some reservations. He could tell that I had some fears and I had some limits to what I was able to do. But Greg also knew that those were just up here. They were in my mind. And I didn't know it. As far as I knew, I was scared. You fall, you break yourself. That's how this works, you know. And so I, I just had these limitations with what was, what was able to happen. And I'll never forget... Um, we were in this place called the Skull Cave, and it's called the Skull Cave because it looks like a massive skull. And on the, it's a big dome, and on the inside of it, you can climb the, uh, the surface of it as it kind of rounds up and around. And so I was getting there and trying to get after this climb, and it's, it is pretty normal for a person, as they put in protection climbing, if they get high enough to where their fall will not let them hit the ground, then it's okay for them to skip a few pieces of protection. I didn't say that out loud. But it is, it is commonly accepted in rock climbing. And so we get up there to this part, and to save energy, I skipped a couple clips. Everybody was okay with it. But I got to the very end, and Greg said, Bill, I want you to let go. I said, man, I ain't even clipped in yet. He said, I want you to let go. So I'm sitting there hanging by the anchors some 70 feet up in the air, and I'd already skipped a couple pieces of protection. By now, my fall was going to be a good 40 feet. And he said, Bill, let go. And I remember thinking, you are insane, dude. I'm not letting go. And so he pulled the rope. He pulled the rope a little bit tighter. He said, Bill, I want, you to, I want you to let go. And so finally I was like, I realized it. I have reached my limit of what I understand to be okay. And that day I remember hanging by these chains and I just said, all right, whatever. And there was like the suspended amount of time between the time I went, ah! And, and the time that I actually caught, but when I caught, something changed up here. Something was different. I realized that my limits just got blown away. There was something new that had happened inside my mind of what was capable of happening. 
that next day, um, I, was, I, had, I had a project I had been working on, and I was not able to get it. I'd gone after it for about a year, and uh, I was not able to get it. There was this professional rock climber. His name's Mike Campbell, and uh, he's, he's really well-known on the East Coast for putting up routes. And uh, he just happened to be there that day. He just walked up by his onesie, and uh, not in a onesie, but <laughs> by his one, all by himself. He walked up there, and, uh, and, and he needed somebody to belay him. And I, we were, you know, three people deep over here, and so I was, I was hanging out on the side, and he said, do you mind belaying? And I said, no problem. So I, he did his warm-up route, and he says, is there anything you're working on? I said, yeah, this route, but I haven't been able to make it, man. It's, it's been pretty rough. But something happened between the day before and the next day. The letting go now became part of who I was, and being willing to be safe and to try new things happened. The route went down that day like that. But it was because, I feel, of the company I kept that were counseling me through that process as a climber. In the same way, here in Scripture, we have the Apostle Paul and Timothy writing to the Philippian church, counseling them through portions of what they're doing as Christians and saying, here's your threshold, but it's time to move beyond. There is good news in this for us, you guys. I want us to think really quickly, kind of jumping back to the video, I want us to think really quickly about things that we have a difficulty letting go of, all right? So with all eyes uh, kind of closed, I just want you to close your eyes, bow your heads, and I just want you to think and visualize. I would like for us to visualize what are the things, situations, life circumstances that we hold on to. What do we like to cling to? What is our safe place? All right. Um, I want to tell you a story about a guy from Jackson. Uh, my friend, I'm going to call him Dude, because it's easier to call people Dude than anything else. Um, this dude, uh, he was a student uh, many years ago, and uh, he was Jackson, went to Jackson Prep, really, really sharp guy, real good Christian kid, um, but he had a passion, and he had a vision that God gave him to be involved in ministry. And uh, this dude... Uh, you know, he, he, he didn't kind of deny the crazy crowd. He was there with them amidst all the struggles and difficulties that was there. He didn't really judge them or shame them. He just kind of went along with them as their friend, um, but didn't get into everything that they got into. He really stood out and apart from his, from his friends in that, in that degree. Um, he got uh, to the point to where he's looking at colleges, and uh, he had some opportunities that were, that were given to him to be able to go to certain schools and do certain things. And one opportunity that he had was an opportunity to go to Sanford and to go through their, uh, their they have a, a scholarship there, a program for people who want to be involved in ministry. And he probably could have gotten into that program. It wouldn't have been a problem at all. But he had one hurdle that he could not cross in that situation. This young man had these things called parents. This was not this young man's problem. This young man had parents who, they loved him. I believe they have all the best intentions for this dude. Absolutely. But they would not let their son take the road least traveled of being able to pursue a heart and vision that God had given him for ministry and the opportunity that was set before him at this school. 
because they were concerned their safe place was that he may not be able to come back home. He may not be able to fit in back in the niche of what is Northeast Jackson. He may not be able to walk this road and do this thing the way we have that has made us be so secure and okay. He may not be welcome back in our safe place. And for a moment, the young man had to let his dream go. Today, this young man is an aspiring CPA, but he also leads, helps lead worship at the Orchard Church in, uh, in Oxford. He has been a catalyst for life change in the lives of young people here in Jackson, Mississippi, that he has discipled. Things that will change the world. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, as many call him, said, give me 10 men, and I believe if he was in today, he'd be say 10 men and women, and he would say, he would say, give me 10 men and women who hate sin and love nothing but Jesus, and I will change the world. Jesus put his stock in 10 to 12 folks, knowing that he was going to have a rough time with them, but if those people learn to let go he might be able to give them, and gift, I think is the word I want you to hear today, gift them a dream that they wouldn't imagine. Nothing can stand in the way of what Jesus has for you. I want us to focus back on that passage really quick. We saw this picture of how Jesus basically had everything, and he was able to give it up and to surrender it all. And you guys know this. It's not in the passage, but you know it was for you and for me. And it said he didn't hold on to that. He didn't hold on to his divinity He wasn't banking on that to make it happen, for everything to work out. He was banking on God the Father to come through. He was banking banking on the, the, the holy person of God to come through for him in his human situation. Amen? It's difficult being human. Amen? It's difficult. We have limitations. We have limitations. We can't do everything perfectly. But he came to do those things perfectly because he put his trust in the Father. Here's what happened. When he did that, it says this, and I'm going to read this again. It says, he went all the way, i.e. to death on a cross, for this reason. God exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every name should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that he is Lord. So here's the, here's the question. Do we have things in our lives, whether it's status, whether it's the power that we know we hold over our destiny and the things that are in front of us? Is it things? I'll be honest. Christmas is around the corner. I'm kind of stoked, you know. I'm kind of pumped about that. I already know some things I want for Christmas. My, my family's here, so I can say that. Um, you know, there are things that we think about that really in this time in our culture get us very us-centered. And I count it a serious blessing that, you know, this morning when we got up and we, we sang our worship songs, we had our focus on the Lord, and then we came up and talked about how we are a missional church. I love that, especially at a time in the year where we're usually saying, like, give, 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 I want, I want, I want, grasp, grasp, grasp. Y'all are saying, let's give. Let's push it this way. That's good news. I really believe, and my heart is convinced of this, nothing that we attempt to do to be holy, will work out. It is about letting go and allowing the Holy One to come in and to reestablish what is going on and for Him to build it up and make it into something. 
as we let go and as you all thought about the things that we need to let go of, like I said, it may not just be stuff. It may be past, it may be hurt, it may be wounding. This is a time of year, you know, when we all get around families and stuff like that, and it's cool for a couple minutes, you know. But, you know, after a couple days, you know, we start to see the areas of weakness of one another and brokenness, and we're exposed to the hang-ups and hurts that we all share. And I think here, what the passage is saying is, God is inviting you and me to have a different response in a collective community. Are we going to try to establish ourselves and carve out what's supposed to happen, or are we going to surrender in order that we may look out for those around us? God has given us a lot. If we are sitting in this room today, we are in the top 99th percentile of people in the world who have been given to. I know that's a weird thing to think about in the difficult economy, but it's true. We're way up there. Way up there. God has gifted something to us. It says here in the passage, for it is God who works in you both to will or desire and to work for his good pleasure. It's not so hard to let go. In fact, it is our original intended purpose to let go. And some people say, let go and let God. You know, I say let go and let God give to you because that's what he's willing to do here. If you let go of the things that make up your identity and make you realize who you are and you say, Jesus, I know there's other people out there that need this more than I do, that need you more than I can understand. I'm going to let go of this. And if you simply say, God, will you work out what you desire in me? And would you give me the power to make that happen? I love that. If you have the New Living Translation, it says that, that he gives you the power to do his will. So many of us are trapped in difficulties, in addictions, in hang-ups, in hurt, and we feel we don't have the power over it. Well, guess what? We don't. We do not. He does. He does. Because you remember, we are, and we have this idea that, that we're, in some ways, very strong, very able to push through. Maybe even in our experiences, we've seen where we've been able to work things out, and the illusion of that becomes the veneer of our life. Let go of it. It's thin. It's paper thin. Here's what I'd like for everybody to do. I'd like you to take your hand and make a fist. And now I'd like you to open that hand. And I want you to notice something. All of us have fingers. And I'm a climber, so I think about this a little bit. But um, all of us have fingers. And you can feel the strong parts of your hand. And you know where they are. You use them every day to eat, to pick things up, to put things down, pull things off the shelf, put them back, to type, to text. We really rely on these a lot. And I want you to take your hand in one hand, and I want you to feel in between your fingers. So smooth. So soft. So delicate. We're not as strong as we think we are. 
there's a lot about us that's very, very vulnerable. And if we open our hearts and our minds to that, we are closer to grace than we actually realize. The posture of saying, when I am weak, as we sang, when I am weak, he is strong. He is the cornerstone, not me, not what I can do, not what you can do. He is the cornerstone. He's the one on which everything else is established. And thank God that we have this picture of the almighty Jesus Christ who came down to change our mindset so that we could be set free for amazing things. All right. I would like us to turn now, if you have your Bible, and we'll end with this passage. We're going to go to Micah. If you're in the New Testament, just go back a couple of passages and you'll be in it. Micah 6. Micah was looking out at the people of Israel and he was thinking, oh my goodness. This is all going to a bad place in a handbasket. It's no good. Our leaders are corrupt. Our people don't know where they're supposed to be worshiping and the way they're living their lives looks exactly like the rest of the way the world is looking there, living their lives. But he says this, and this is Micah 6, 8, and it's in the form of a question. He says, God has told you, O man and woman, what is good. He has told you what is good. Just like in our passage that we read earlier in Philippians. He laid out for us what is good. So what does God ask of you? Or actually it says, what does the Lord, he uses the personal name of God here. What does the Lord ask of you or require of you? But to do justice. Your version may say to do what is right. To love kindness. Your version may say to love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. The reason I jump back to this passage is for two things. We have to remember one, he has asked us not to grasp, but to let go and to receive the gift of his encouraging and strengthening power in our life. But men and women, here's the good news. He doesn't just leave us there. He does not just leave us there. I honestly believe the number one fear in all of our lives is loneliness. Loneliness. Because in loneliness we are met with the fact that we have to hang on to everything we can have and get to make ourselves who we are. And he says, it's a veneer, it's a lie. Here's the good news. We let go. He grabs on. And he says, come on with me. Men and women, it is a great grace to be in the grip and the grasp of a God. I don't want to be holding on to stuff. I make a very poor God. I make a very weak God. My hands are feeble and they will fail. His hand is steady. His kindness is always. And you can trust it. Let's pray. As I pray, would the worship team please come forward? Dear God, as we enter a time of communion here in the next couple minutes, I would ask, dear Heavenly Father, that we would become aware of how we're holding on to things or to bad relationships or to how people perceive us or our status 
Or simply, dear God, we're comfortable with the way our spiritual life is and we don't want it really rattled. Wherever on the spectrum we may be, God, would you remind us that communion is this relationship we have with you. You're not just sitting there asking us to do a bunch of stuff. You're saying, Billy Blair and those that are here, I want to walk with you. I want to show you a picture of how this works. And I don't just expect you to jump up there and figure it out. I'm going to give you the power to do it. But Billy and silly little children, all of us, will you let go of it? And let me gift it back to you in the way it was meant to be. So God, my prayer for us is this. Would you keep us from being silly? We've spent a lot of time in our lives, dear God, trying to establish things and make things happen. And that was never our intended purpose, was it, Lord? Forgive us. Help us to commune with you. And to be able to take steps, dear God, in faith so that a world may see, and so that, dear God, everyone in heaven above, on the earth below, and everything underneath will be able to kneel and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. May we become less, may you become more. Amen.